it's nice that the Dharma talk time comes just right so you can watch the sunset. Like the sun, this time, this time of the year, the sun just sets and then we can come in here and listen to the Dharma talk. Something very sweet about that. So tonight I would like to speak about, um, it feels like the next kind of progression in the things we've been talking about, uh, which has to do with action, wise action. As we are in our last evening here together before we leave tomorrow, go into our, what we call our daily life, it might be worthwhile, I thought, to explore a little bit about action. Uh, Or as we say in the Buddhist tradition, wise action, or sometimes right action. But if we use the word right, you know, we often get caught in that dichotomy of right and wrong. You know, this is right and that's wrong, and then we can judge ourselves and blame ourselves. So I think it's, I like the word wise action better than right action. So this is often thought of as a path of letting go. We think about the Buddhist path that we're walking, this eightfold noble path. We can think about it as a path of letting go or a path of renunciation. It's oftentimes how we speak about it. But we might want to ask the question, what are we actually letting go of? Because it can seem like when we sit down and we do our meditation, it can seem like we're letting go of everything. You know, we watch our thoughts and and, uh, the patterns of our mind. And the technique is to let it go and come back to the breath of the body to a place where the thoughts aren't impinging so much. But we could take that one step further and think that we're not supposed to be having any thoughts. We're supposed to be letting go of all of our thoughts and then just come to this kind of clear, empty place. And that's an easy uh, leap to make in uh, trying to understand what the meditation is about because um, it can he listening to the instructions, it could seem like that, like we're trying to get to this quiet, empty, settled place where there's the thought isn't really where what we're giving our attention to. But I think that can be a little misleading when we really understand what the teachings are actually pointing to, because well, what we're really letting go of is not all of that mental proliferation. What we're letting go of are the patterns that lead to suffering and discontent. We're not letting go of everything. We're just, again, the the teachings point us directly to looking at the causes and the conditions that give rise to suffering so that we can experience more ease and contentment Therefore, when we're discriminating and exploring what causes and conditions lead to suffering, we're also looking at what causes and conditions lead to happiness. So it's really about this examination or this investigation to looking into these causes and conditions that we actually find ourselves engaged in so that we can have more conditions of happiness 
and less conditions of suffering. It's not like we're trying to get rid of the happiness. <laughs> we're not trying to get rid of those movements of mind that are beautiful, that lead to expressions of loving kindness and compassion and generosity and truthfulness and connection and harmony. You know, that's also, that also arises through the, the mental uh, realm at times. So we want to begin to, we really want to sort out what is actually giving rise to patterns of more suffering and pain and what gives rise to more happiness and contentment. We're not trying to stop the patterns that express our deepest goodness and our happiness and our joy, but wanting to understand that so we can have more of it, so we can be happier. We can feel more joy. We can uh, have that, that more of that sense of celebration of life because that's what's possible. That's what the Buddha is saying. This is what's possible for us. You can have this if you begin to explore and investigate those causes and conditions that give rise to different things. Our teacher, our teacher, Joseph Goldstein's teacher, Menindraji, that how we spoke about last night, also we also have taken teachings from him. He would, use, he would say, when you're happy, be happy. Just be happy, no problem. You know? like there's not a lot you have to do or, or worry about or care about. When you're happy, just enjoy that happiness. But when you're not so happy, <laughs> when the mind is moving into more of discontent and disease, then t- pay attention. Pay attention to that. Find out what that's about. There's this one, uh, the, the, reading the texts of the Buddha, he uses quite a lot of um, similes and metaphors, good teaching stories. And there's one that I liked very much and I think of a lot for my own, in my own practice from one of the suttas of the Buddha. And he uses this particular um, metaphor or simile and these similes always are historical. You know, they come from the time of the Buddha. So he says, just as in the month of the rainy season, in the autumn when the crops thicken, a cowherd would guard his cows by constantly tapping and poking them on this side and that side with a stick to check and curb them. Why is that? because he sees that he could be flogged, imprisoned, fined, or blamed if he lets them stray into the crops. And so then he says, so too I saw that in these unwholesome states of mind uh, are the seeds of suffering, and in wholesome states of mind the blessing of renunciation and purification. So he says, when, you're, when, when there those, those kinds of states of mind that you could actually get in trouble with, you want to p- prod and poke them and you know, bring them back, bring them back into the pasture so they don't start straying and getting lost. And then he says, just as in the last month of the hot season, when all the crops have been brought inside the villages, a cowherd would guard his cows while staying at the root of a tree, since he needs only to be mindful 
that the cows are there. Not much else has to be done. He doesn't have to poke and prod and you know, try. Just rest at the root of the tree and be mindful that the cows are there. Why? Because they could start to stray <laughs> into the farmer's fields and he could get flogged, imprisoned, fined, you know, whatever, and get in trouble. So, but when, but when the cows are happily at home, in their pasture, not really getting into trouble, just rest back at the root of the tree, <laughs> keeping an eye on the cows. He says, so too, there was need for me only to be mindful that those states were there. Mm-hmm. Only to be mindful that the states are there. So, so we're just that, I love, I love this particular example because it really shows what our task is. So, so that when, when everything's okay, we can rest back. And yet, we don't go to sleep. We keep our mind awake, just in case things start getting out of hand. This is called guarding the mind. Guarding the mind. So we're not just letting go, you know, because sometimes we kind of get the sense that letting go means we just, you know, kind of push everything out and then, but it's, but really what the Buddha is speaking about is what's called this factor of wise discrimination, where we actually want to discriminate what's moving through the mind so that if things are starting to get activated where we could get, start getting in trouble, which are the difficult patterns of mind, then we have to engage. But if when we discriminate that everything is kind of calm and at ease, then we just very lightly, just keep an eye out, stay awake. And this is really our practice, whether we're here on retreat or whether we're in our daily life or whatever we're doing, we keep that attention, but just enough attention. Not a lot, you know, not a bearing down attention, I've got to be mindful, I've got to be mindful. It's just that resting, relaxed attention, just so we're knowing where the cows are at any given time, right? So sometimes we say, know what to follow and what not to follow. Know what to follow in the mind and what not to follow. So that means when there are thoughts that are pleasing and generous and truthful and moving to love, we can follow those, we can move with those, we can play with those. But the, the ones that are starting to go off into places where we're getting in trouble, no. We have to prod and poke and bring them back, bring the mind back, bring the mind back. Just learning how to work with our mind, l- learning what we're actually working with here. How, when, so that we can actually take this practice into our daily life, make this practical for us, so that we don't think it's just about sitting on the cushion and getting to a clear state, but how do we go through our day in all of our activities so that the practice is alive for us. Last night, Howie was speaking about papancha. So wonderfully, just really 
so well articulated that movement of how we get into this very uh, strong, intense state of mind of papancha that can just take us all over everywhere. You know, these are the cows, the cows getting off, you know, in all the different farmers' fields, you know, getting in trouble. And he talked about the grasping, the grasping of pleasant and unpleasant, and how that, can, that has a kind of charge to it, and it can build a certain tension in the body, in the mind. And, and if this isn't seen well, and we're, we're, we're actually in activity around this grasping, it builds up and produces a kind of pressure in the mind, which then can move into this, the thoughts, into the proliferation of, of story, of past and future, and trying to figure out and analyze and, and understand, and all this thinking, 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 and remembering, and planning, and fantasizing, and we can get very caught in there. And this is a kind of um, a, a discharge that's happening from all this tension that's building up. That's what Howie spoke about. And so that's one step of the discharge. Unfortunately, for us, it doesn't just stay in the thoughts, right? What happens when that pressure is building up, we start having all that thought, it starts to move into some kind of impulse. It's not just the mind is moving, the body starts to move, right? We feel that kind of impulse to move into action based on the kind of thoughts that we're having. So, and you see that, you know, so it's so interesting when you're sitting in meditation, you know, then that restlessness and the agitation starts to come, and you can feel the impulse in the body that you just want to get up, right? And it's so hard sometimes just to keep yourself down, because then the thoughts are saying, I don't want to be here, I want to go home, I don't want to, this isn't, what am I sitting here for? And you just, you can just feel like you're already starting to leave, but if there's enough awareness, you can actually just contain that and hold that without having to follow through with the impulse. Or um, when you're doing your walking meditation, you probably see this a lot, you know, you come to the place where it's been, if you're lucky, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and it's like, I don't know if I can stand this another minute, you know? And then the tension's starting to build up, the thoughts are starting to go, and you go, I gotta go get a cup of tea, or I gotta just go for a walk. And you just leave the form, or leave the structure of that walking meditation, because that, that energy builds up in such a way that it just pushes right through the thoughts into the body moving. You can see this with speech, unfortunately. You know, this is all the unfortunate aspects, you know. We're building up the pressure, we're starting to think about the fight or the conflict we had with somebody, and all that anger is starting to rise, and, and then it goes, it's in the thought, and then it's like, again, the body wants to move into some kind of action. When there's not, say, we're in our daily life, and there's not awareness, that we can just, we'll, the person's in the other room. We just stomp into the other room and we just start shouting at that person. It's sort of like the potato story. You know, I don't want your rotten potato. You know, just how that... So, so that's the, that's, it's not just that it stays in our thoughts. How fortunate we would be <laughs> if it just stayed in our thoughts.
but it doesn't. It goes right through the speech and the bodily action. And this is why we have to really pay attention because the, the, the teachings are about not causing suffering and pain and harm to ourselves and other people. And without the awareness, without the understanding, that's what we're doing. We're just, we're out of control. We're just, there's, there's, there's often not enough awareness and then wisdom and integrity of, and strength of mind to stop the impulses. And the impulses drive us. They just push right through. And then before we know it, we've said things we wish we wouldn't have said. We do things we wish we hadn't done, whether it's through, you know, we just kind of go through the list of the five precepts. You know, killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, wrong speech, and drugs and alcohol. Right? You just look at those right there. And that's where those guidelines, those ethical guidelines, are actually a protection for us before we train our mind. So they give us some kind of um, map. They say, these are the five areas that if you can pay attention and, and train and gu- guide yourself around these five areas, this will protect you. Because the mind and the patterns, the, the conditioning is so strong and out of control, it's likely that if you, go, if you act out in one of these precepts, it's going to be really painful you're going to potentially cause a lot of harm for yourself or another person. So, so we, we have to we work with this so that when we talk about paying attention to what's happening in our thoughts, this is, the, this is why. Because we're wanting to transform our reality. We want to shape our reality so that more and more we're living with ease, we're living with happiness, we're living with love and uh, all these beautiful qualities in our life. And the only way we can do that is to start to pay attention to how this process is actually operating in us. So this is really what we're concerned with, is this particular unfolding of the impulse, the impulse that leads to action, and then understanding that our actions have results or consequences. So you have intent, or the impulse, which is actually intention, the intention to act, or impulse. I I like the word impulse because it's actually a, a felt sense, but it's also intention takes the form of an intention to act, and then the action, and then the result of our actions. So this sequence, intention, action, result, intention, action, result, is when we start to examine that, we can start to bring some transformation. This is from uh, the Dhammapada, another one of the Buddha's teachings. All experience is preceded by mind led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a corrupted mind, and suffering follows as the wagon wheel follows the hoof of the ox. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. 
speak or act with a peaceful mind, and happiness follows like a never-departing shadow. Speak or act with a peaceful mind, and happiness follows like a never-departing shadow. This is the law of dharma. This is dharma. This is the way things are. And more specifically, we, mo- we can say this is the law of karma. It's cause and effect. If I do this, that's going to happen. If I do this, that's going to happen. So, so the karmic results of our actions. And when our mind isn't seen, we're focusing so much around the importance of awareness and presence and paying attention, knowing what's happened. When the mind isn't seen, then actions follow from unconscious patterns. And that's that automatic, or sometimes we call it sleepwalking. We're just sleepwalking because we're on automatic. And all the behavior is is just happening without very much consciousness. And to me, that's a pretty scary thought. Sometimes I think about that when I'm driving, and it's not the time for me to be thinking about that because I can get a little scared. I think, how many people are in their cars are actually conscious right now, (laughs) are paying attention, you know? Because I know that, you know, a lot of people aren't paying attention very well. And so I think that this world is actually hanging together a lot better than it could if, I, if we really start thinking about what's really going on in people's minds. You know, it's amazing, really, when we think about how, what happens when we're unconscious and just the way the, the speech and the actions just flow out of that unconsciousness. We're just acting out of our addictions, our compulsions, our conditioning, all those habits. On the contrary, though, if, we're, if there's awareness and there's presence and there's connection, there is the potential, the possibility to actually make a conscious choice about whether we want to say something, whether we want to do something. You know, it's, it's, a, it's really what I, I was reflecting on this while, while I was meditating just earlier. And I got the sense that, that that awareness and that presence actually in some ways take us to what I might call a zero point. Because in that moment, there, we have the whole potential open to uh, the, the possibilities open to us. It's like I can go here, I can do it this, I can say it this way, I can choose this, I can choose that. It's like there's a whole kind of opening possibility that is not being impinged on so directly by all of that momentum of the past. Surely there's some, con- there's some conditioning until we're fully realized and free. There's that conditioning, the momentum of that is still carrying through, but not as much when we're disconnected. When we're really here, then there's that possibility for so much to happen. This transformation is what we're speaking about. We can actually do something different than the way we've always done it. There's this um, 
this a uh, story, small story that was going around, particularly after uh, 9/11, it was going around on the on the internet, and it is really uh, one of the the stories I think that just points to this so well. The story goes like this: A Native American grandfather was talking to his grandson about how he felt about a struggle he was having. He said, I feel as if I have two wolves fighting in my heart. One wolf is the vengeful, angry, violent one. The other wolf is the loving, compassionate one. And the grandson asked him, which wolf will win in the fight in your heart, grandfather? And the grandfather answered, the one I feed. The one I feed. And it's only really through the awareness that we can choose which one we're going to feed. Because clearly we have a struggle. We want, to f we want to fight or express revenge or hurt in some way. But we also have the compassionate heart, the loving heart. If we're present and connected, we can sense this within ourselves. Which one are we going to feed? This is what we've been working with all week here together. Which one are we going to feed? The Buddha calls karma the light of the world because it illuminates the way things are. It illuminates the way things are. It shows us how we can actually transform and reshape our lives, not only our lives, but the whole world, how we can change the whole world. Each one of our intentions, each one of these impulses are like a seed with tremendous potential. Every one of those impulses, every one of those movements, if we're not careful, we have to really attend to and consider what are we setting in motion when we plant that seed? What are we setting in, in, in motion? It's like the smallest acorn contains the potential of a great oak tree. The smallest acorn, the tiniest acorn, it already has all of that potential in it to grow that great oak tree. Or the, or the seed, another seed may have the potential to create a nuclear war. It's that seed, what are we, the seeds that we're planting every moment, and every moment there's an impulse, every moment there's an impulse to act in some way, to make a choice in some way, either conscious or unconscious. And that seed is going to grow into something. And the more that we can actually pay attention moment to moment to moment as we're watering that seed and feeding that seed and giving fertilizer and in water and, and sunshine, what are we growing? What are we growing? What are we setting in motion? I wonder how often we consider this. 
And so what's so wonderful is that at any moment that we don't, we become aware and we don't like the momentum of the way something's going, is we can stop it. One of my teachers, Sokni Rinpoche, our teachers, used to talk about how we have a remote control in our hand. He, Tibetan, Tibetan teacher, loves, young, young man, loves the gadgets, you know, love all the electronic gadgets. So he loves the computer and the, you know, all the, all the little things and loves the remote control and uses it as a metaphor for like, you, all, you have the remote control in your hand, you can press the stop button. Just stop. <laughs> you don't like the cha- you don't like the movie that's playing? Push the stop button. You know? And then he says, or you can just change the channel. You know, play play with it, change the channel, go backwards, go forwards, you know, see if there's a different movie. You know? Or press the pause button. Just stop it for a while. You don't have to turn it off. Just stop it for a while until you kind of regroup and get a sense of maybe which direction you want to go, what movie you want to pay it, listen to. We can, when, we, when we understand that we have that in our hand, then we have more control over this. We're not victims in a way. We're not victims of our conditioning. With awareness, with presence, we can make a choice. Stop, pause, change the movie. <laughs> it's interesting to, to reflect on this. So the results of our actions are not something that's predetermined or destined. They're completely dependent on the quality of our mind. We've been talking about attitudes in the mind, so we know when there's greed, when there's aversion, when there's confusion in the mind. We want to know this because this is actually what colors the impulses and the intentions, so that if I'm acting in a way that is filled, that has a, that my mind is filled with greed or hatred or confusion, the result is going to be tinged, tainted with that same flavor, greed, hatred, and delusion. If my mind is free of that, if it's filled with more love and kindness, then the result of that action is going to be flavored with the love, the kindness, the generosity. So you can imagine for a moment, just to exemplify this, you can imagine for a moment a thread woven through each of our intentions, actions, and results. If the thread is woven with greed, hatred, and delusion, what kind of result is that going to be? So I'd like you to actually think of a time. Maybe it's a time here on the retreat or a time in the recent past when your action, speech or bodily action, was woven with greed, hatred or confusion. My hunch is that you, there might have been something like that that has happened. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, ha- I have some hunch about that. So, <laughs> so right now just bring to mind one of those times 
And consider the kind of result that that action brought. And I'd like to ask if anybody would be willing, this is a little bit of a risk, (laughs) to show our not-so-good side. (laughs) Would anybody be willing to say something, something they're remembering? <laughs> okay, when we had the brownies. Um, I got a really good piece. Uh huh. And they sort of walked in to the door for the piece, and they really needed a really wanted So she, she took a bigger piece than she really needed or wanted, so that was the action. What was the result? So she just wasn't able to enjoy her meal because she was aware that there was a certain amount of greed in this case, right? Some greed. And, and you couldn't get, put it back because that would be strange. So you got yourself into some confusion there around it as well. Yeah, that's a really good example. Yeah, that's, that's it. Right, just that moment, that impulse, right? That intention, oh, yeah, those look really good. Of course, we haven't had much sweet this whole week, right? A little bit more greed comes in. Anything else? Yes. you so much for being willing to share that. (laughs) People are chuckling because everybody can relate to it. And I thank you for being so honest. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? And then and then we feel terrible. You know, because we our heart, we, we feel the remorse, we know how we've impacted or hurt that person. It hurts. Well fortunately Next step, forgiveness, 
you know, wise action, wholesome action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so let's turn it around. So think of a thread woven through your intention, action, and result. Woven through with mindfulness, wisdom, and loving kindness. So think of something that you were engaged with, some activity, action with somebody here or recent past. Think about the activity and then the result of that activity. As you're reflecting on it, maybe even get a sense of how you feel in your body. The felt sense of this. And who would like to share? Maybe this one's easier. (laughs) Or maybe not. Sometimes... That's right. Yeah, right. I just got that. You know, how he said maybe it's easier to confess your delusion than than to really speak about how well you're doing. <laughs> Let's see. Who who wants to Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So here's also, this is an example of somebody doing something very uh, generous for you, and, and then the response, the interaction between the two of you around that. Mm-hmm. Feeling the impact of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Anything else? Yes. out of sorts with the house that's been painted and the furniture's been removed and whatnot. And so I was there one night putting them to bed and when the oldest was a young child, I got him this book called On the Day You Were Born. And it's a wonderful story about where the moon was and where the 
sun was and how all the the birds and all the animals were so excited. And so I read in the story, and I was sitting in a rocking chair, and he was he was in my arm, and um, I started singing him then the story. I started just singing this song about what happened the day you were born, and it sort of rhymed and whatnot. And, and I would finish it, and he would say, "Sing it again." It's this one moment after the next moment after the next moment and just builds it's like that potential of that impulse of, t- of, 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 of having that story there's a whole story actually from the time he was born and then reading the story and singing the story and then the other granddaughter that's the potential that's the potential yeah and the shape taking shape in such a beautiful way this lovely way this full of love and connection and harmony yeah, yeah. This you want to follow. This you want to pay attention to. <laughs> yeah, so when we talk about recognizing the causes and the conditions that lead to happiness and the causes and the conditions that lead to suffering, we want to pay attention to that. So you could do that again. <laughs> do that again, you know? Whereas there's other things we don't want to do again. No, that didn't work so well, you know? We don't want to do that again. So this is the kind of reflection, this is the kind of, of contemplation we want to do. So it's not just letting go, letting go, letting go, but we're actually considering. We're, we're reflecting together, we're exploring together. What actually happens that we can transform our lives, we can make changes in our lives, we can actually experience more happiness and goodwill in our lives by paying attention to these causes and conditions. The Buddha says, whatever one thinks or ponders upon, this will be the inclination of your mind. Whatever one thinks or ponders upon, this will be the inclination of your mind. And, and, and it's lovely because now brain science, you know, all this brain science is going on. They're just, they're, just, they're just explaining all of this scientifically, you know, how we're creating new grooves and new pathways in our brains so that we, we, the, the neurons can leap over into different kind of grooves so that we're not just following the same old grooves over and over again, but that we're actually creating new pathways. And this is what's possible for us. So we're strengthening these wholesome qualities of mind by inclining our mind towards the wholesome, towards what's good, towards what's loving. And as we do that, the greed, the greedy patterns, the patterns of mind, start to shift into patterns of non-attachment, 
and generosity. It's like a, it's a movement, a remolding, a malleability of the mind so that that greed isn't, isn't just uh, solid. Those patterns aren't so solid anymore, but we're starting to feel more uh, generous and, uh, and, and, letting, and the letting go. The hatred, it starts to shift and reform into loving kindness and compassion. The confusion of mind starts to shift into more wisdom and knowledge and understanding. This is the opening, the expansion from the tightness and the, the, the constriction and the, the solidity that we feel within ourselves as we let go and we're not so bound up in those patterns. We open, we open. And when we open, what comes through is the goodness of our being. The goodness, it's not like we then become, we change and we become good. It's more like in the opening that the old drops away and what's left is the light, is the love, is the goodness. It's not like it, was nev- it wasn't there before and now it's there. It's always been there. It's just that it's been covered over. It's been obscured from our view. So we're, those, those patterns start to drop away and then our, our be- the beautiful qualities of our being start to shine, shine through. This is the natural law. This is the way of things. In a way, we might say that we're loosening that hard shell of the ego structure. And I spoke the other night about what what that ego self is or that ego structure is. It's the greed, the hatred, and the delusion. It's that selfing pattern. And so we're loosening up that shell that we can, it feels like a shell, a hard shell, and it starts to break up. And then something comes through, and this is what we're discovering. What comes through? In an interesting way, when we speak about letting go of these patterns and these behaviors, we actually start to change. We feel differently. We, we, we aren't the same person. We're not as identified with that old image, with that old way, way of being. And, and at first, and some people have spoken about this, at first we can actually feel a little lonely, a little alone. Because all those things that we had in our life, whether it was people or situations or addictions or, you know, uh, ways we adorned ourselves or dressed or things we were involved in, those are all caught up in the behaviors. And then we start to let go of them. Just like uh, somebody who was a, an alcoholic, when you're not drinking anymore, not going to bars, then your life starts to change and you might, it might be empty for a while. And we can kind of feel that inner loneliness or that kind of like something's lost, kind of a loss. And this is a very delicate part of our path because it's possible to get stuck here. We can fall into a kind of loneliness or an isolation or a kind of sense of emptiness as these things drop away. And what's so important is to recognize that this is a stage on the path. It's a, it's a movement from the old to something new. 
And we might feel vulnerable, we might feel kind of fearful and uncertain about what we're doing and are we making mistakes and who am I and a lot of confusion can arise. But if we can keep moving and keep hooking up with the wholesome, whether it's our community of, of new friends, people who, you know, Sangha members, or whether it's new activities that we're engaged in that are more healthy for us, uh, exercising or different programs that we get, you know, starting to move towards that which is more healthy and supportive of the new. The conditions, the outer conditions then start to support the inner conditions and the strengthening and the developing of those inner conditions. But yet we have to keep moving. And that's where we do need support. We do need support for this because it's, it's a very delicate place, a very tender place. And, and it's, not, it's not a good place to be all alone. It's very helpful to have people around who can actually understand and support you in, 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 in this way that you're moving more into what's new. This is part, all part of the transformation this path of transformation. This is um, a poem from a woman named Jennifer Wellwood. Willing to experience aloneness, I discover connection everywhere. Turning to face my fear, I meet the warrior who lives within. Opening to my loss, I gain the embrace of the universe. Surrendering into emptiness, I find fullness without end. Each condition I flee from pursues me. Each condition I welcome transforms me and becomes itself transformed into its radiant, jewel-like essence. So it may not make so much sense at first, you know, but there's a kind of alchemy that's going on as we let go, as we let go of the old and we are willing to enter into that which is unfamiliar and unknown. Then we can start to touch this new medicine, this alchemy, this, that which is so mysterious that is working within us. This is from um, Hafiz, that poet, the, the Sufi poet and teacher I spoke of the other night. He says, leave the familiar for a while. Let your senses and bodies stretch out like a welcome season onto the meadows and shores and hills. Open up to the roof. Make a new watermark on your excitement and love. Like a blooming night flower, bestow your vital fragrance of happiness and giving upon our intimate assembly. Change rooms in your mind for a day. Isn't that a great line? Change rooms in your mind for a day. All the hemispheres in existence lie beside an equator in your heart. Greet yourself in, a, in your thousand other forms as you mount the hidden tide and travel back home. Greet yourself in your thousand other forms. That's that breaking out of the hard ego shell 
There's a thousand forms waiting for you. All the hemispheres in heaven are sitting around a fire chatting while stitching themselves together into the great circle inside of you. All the hemispheres, all the hemispheres in heaven. This boundlessness of who you are. And then something else takes over. And we speak about making choices. And then I wonder, as we enter into this, these hemispheres of heaven, maybe even this need to make choice starts to drop away. And we enter into something which we might call choicelessness, where we are in a kind of flow with that which we can't even really understand or define or delineate or discriminate. We open up into that which is unconditioned, not so conditioned by this and that and right and wrong and you and me and this opening, this opening which I called earlier the zero point but a big zero point, (laughs) a zero point that is so, the circle of that zero is so wide that it contains everything, all possibilities, all potential. It's a question of trust, trusting into this opening, this opening that you are as you let go, as you pay attention to all these ways that are not serving you, not benefiting you, and beginning to turn away, but you don't know what you're walking towards. It's okay. (laughs) You don't need to know, but what matters is that you turn away, is as you turn away, then the dharma, the law, the law of the way things are, holds you and supports you, held in the net of the dharma. This is what's meant by the happiness of the Buddha when we speak about living with ease, living with happiness, with peace and safety, this letting go. Let's just sit for a minute together.
May all beings know the deepest happiness. May all beings be free. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll have some time for walking and then we'll come back for our Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.